Today on Pandavision, we're going to be covering The Orville, Season 3, Episode 7, From Unknown Graves. All that right for this ad we have no control over. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Panda Vision, the Stranded Panda Podcast, where we take all the shows that don't fit in other universes, throw them in the pot, and make the stew that is this podcast. My name is Matthew Carroll. I'm Gary Milton. I'm John Irons. How you guys doing today? What's happening? Oh, not much. Yeah, I took the kids to see uh, Thor, uh, Love and Thunder. Uh, it's my second time seeing it, their first time seeing it. They like it? My daughter, 11, said she liked it. My son, 8, said it was okay. Which was surprising. I figured they'd both like it a lot, but I, you know, it, it had a lot of the what he refers to as the oo in it, which is the <laughs> romantic, like kissy, lovey dovey. Oh, oh, yeah. Uh, so that might have been why he didn't like it as much. But uh, <laughs> I, I enjoy seeing it a second time. Though. I feel like kids today are so utterly spoiled. Like the kind of movies they get. <laughs> Like if I if I'd seen Thor: Love and Thunder as an eight year old, my mind would have been blown. Like the insanity and the humor and the wildness and like the scary parts. Like I I just would have been like like the, those movies didn't exist yet. You know what I mean? We yeah. had like little pieces of them here and there, but nothing like something like that. You know? We had the mask. We had Willow. You know what it's like <laughs> that 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 once every two or three year experience that Willow was. It's like they get this like three times a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk about it in Star Trek podcast all the time, uh, Star Trek Universe. Uh, we talk about, like, will Star Trek mean anything to us? Because, like, it, it gets going through so fast. Like, will mm-hmm. we even remember what these seasons were about? You know what I mean? And, like, we probably will because we're talking about it every week. But if I was just a casual viewer, like, it just feels like water now. It just feels like it's always, the tap is always on, you know? Even as someone who talks about it every week, it's still, like, I rewatched, uh, or I started rewatching. I didn't. I didn't. I think I stopped in like season two. But I was rewatching Discovery, and it's this weird mix because it does go by so fast, and the epi- and the seasons are you know it's like ten episode seasons, ten twelve episode seasons. So it all kind of flows together. Like you don't remember what was in what season. Like it, yeah. it just at least I didn't. I, like it's it's hard for me to kind of separate the timeline like that, even though there's season long arcs. Yeah, I can kind of just because the arcs and like ha- talking mm-hmm. about them so much, but like it's like season one, Klingons and Mirror, and then like uh, season two, Control, season three, Future, season four, 
the what was that thing called the dma yeah look i did it the dma right, right. <laughs> the the future and the and the i almost called it the purge not the purge the, the, what was it? <laughs> no it was the purge i'm pretty sure they called it the purge sure that sounds right start how far starfleet has fallen <laughs> <laughs> that's an awesome fanfic actually now that i think about it right yeah it would be pretty good It'd be pretty good like oh we realized after the fall of the federation that we just needed a uh we needed to purge our emotions <laughs> or like what if in vulcan all this time to ta- purging your emotions that's what that meant mm-hmm. like you need that once a year purge of your emotions <laughs> <laughs> okay okay let's talk about what we're here to talk about which is the orville um we got a kind of a uh interesting episode here uh this episode is the one where we get a fully matriarchal species that the women are in control and they subjugate the men and at the same time that seemed like the a storyline for like the first 20 minutes and then it turns into a story about the kalon mm. and a kalon found underground uh that is emotional and they basically gave him data's emotion chip and then it's the question of whether that emotion chip will work with isaac and it does for a brief moment he gets emotions and claire realizes uh how wonderful that could be and then it's gone um and then yeah so what do you guys think what do you guys think of this episode i really liked this episode i liked it a lot more than last week's i think i'm in the minority but oh yeah I liked it a lot. Uh, I, I liked it a lot. I would say I probably liked it equal to last week's um, for you know different reasons. But uh, look at our three little bear selves. <laughs> like, I think I liked it a little less. You liked it a little more. You liked it in the right, in the, just right. I like just the same. I liked it just right. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say the one thing I mentioned it in the in my little short breakdown, but look, I do think that the. We've been saying it. These these have been longer, and I'm feeling a little overstuffed at times. And I think this episode particularly, I felt like that the the, the matriarchal species felt like it should have been its own thing and didn't really intersect well with the what in, what ended up being the a plot. But for me, kind of felt like I, it was weird. It took until the middle of the episode till we really met, or like it was like it was a, it was a good bit in. It was 15, 20, 30 minutes in before we met that Kalon under the planet. And it was like, oh, wait, that's that's what this episode's about. It, it was weird. It started with the matriarchal species, and then it almost feels like that plot line got shoved to the background for this more important thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, and, mm-hmm. and then they didn't... It's not like those two stories needed to be at the same time for any reason that I can think of. They don't even really highlight each other in a way. You know, I watched it, you know, the, a week ago, or Thursday, whenever it was. So I, I, um, I didn't watch it again, uh, but I did do like a like a... You know, I read somebody's recap of it and, uh, you know, it, they went through the various plots. So there's the, there's the, the, the K-Line with emotion plot. There's the matriarchal society plot. There's the, the birth of the K-Line. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. The birth of the K-Line, uh, K-Line origin story <laughs> and the, um, the relationship where, uh, the, I don't remember anybody's name, but the, the mm-hmm. security officer and the, and the engineer Tala and Lamar. Tala and Lamar, <laughs> they care about each other very much, but she's just too physically strong. Yeah. And so their, so their lovemaking is, is dangerous for him. <laughs> uh, and you're right. They, they seem like disparate, but like, as I, as I was writing up my little notes, uh, you can kind of weave them together. 
if you look at it from the point of view of uh, just a painful a, a relationship that is hurting you, but you don't want it to change. You can't you can't see a different way. So, I mean, you know, in a broadly political sense, the matriarchal society, they're you know subjugating half their people, which, you know, ain't great. Mm. Um, uh, obviously, the physical uh, relationship. Uh, yeah, <laughs> keep sending him to the sick bay. Um, I kept thinking that was going to get end on like a good emotional thing, like it was going to be a good like discussion of what is ethical and where where is your right to say no? I want this, and where where is your right to say no? I need to stop hurting you, kind of thing. But it ended up really just being about the joke of him sitting there bloodied and beaten and crying about breaking up. Like that's what it. <laughs> that's the whole. The that, whole yeah, they did just led to that, that joke, which was a great joke. I think they tried. I think they tried, but like yeah, I, I feel like yeah, the, yeah. I feel like the the what is the other person owed kind of goes through um, uh, the Isaac story more. You know, Kelly Kelly said, you know, I I never asked. Like we argued about it all the time, but I never asked him to change for me. I never said I want you to change for me. Mm-hmm. When Isaac first presents. Uh, the doctor, she's like, yeah, we, so we have this procedure and, uh, we, I can have emotions. And I told her, no, thanks. <laughs> like you didn't even consider it. Like you didn't even it's like, no, no, I'm good. And she was like, kind of dumbfounded, but I was a little, honestly, I was a little pissed at her. I agree. I was like, you knew this is what, this is who he was. You can't, he, he would never lied about it. He never, he never even he never even offered the idea that he could be anything else. You know, you said you were good with it. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's you know, like for you, this is, oh, finally, this is some opportunity that I didn't even know that I had. But for him, he's like, no, I told you this is what I am. I don't even understand how this is a discussion. And he literally can't understand how it's a discussion. Um, so I would, initially, I was annoyed at her, but the, this was a good episode. This was a good episode in that it, it really did make me consider everybody's point of view, which is what the best start like uh, sci-fi should do. I totally agree. Yeah, I was upset that they they gave that choice to Claire, and then later on when they gave it to her again, when it was like, oh, he can lose his memories, and I was like, why is this Claire's decision again? It should have been her decision in the first place. Mm. But hmm. Well, the first time it wasn't her decision. Well, she pushed for it, though. Well, but... She asked for it. She said it was something that was important to her. It wasn't exactly her decision. I, I thought it was a powerful scene that Kelly talking to Claire about like, yeah, you, you, it's okay to ask for what you want. It's okay to just be clear about what you want in a relationship. Now, and then it's their decision whether they want to give you that. And Isaac yeah. decided that's what he wanted to do because he's choosing, choosing to do what, he, what Claire wants. You know? And I think that's a, that's a legitimate thing. Um, and in the end, it's sort of the same I do think they may, they did actually literally say like, it's, so this is my decision, you know, like as like, no, it still should be his. Well, uh, he was, he was acknowledging he, in a very logical way, he was like, okay, this means, you know, it's like, if you don't, if you don't know where to eat dinner, whoever cares the most wins. Like, if you don't really care, it, it means mm-hmm. he doesn't know he has, he cannot fathom what he is, what he has to gain or lose. He, he doesn't yeah. understand. He, his mind can't calculate the currency of emotion. Well, he can calculate, he can't calculate the, what he's going to gain with this emotion thing, but he can calculate 
what he's going to lose, which I thought was too much. You know, the price was too high uh, for him to oh, the, me- lo- the memory. Yeah. Losing everything yeah. he is. I mean, his entire existence has been seeking out knowledge. Like everything we've seen him ever do has been to learn more things, to seek knowledge. And then like, he has a chance to trade it all in for a thing that he doesn't understand or desire. And he, and, and, you know, he leaves it up to her because he apparently cares more to be with her than even his own memories in existence, you know? I don't know that he cares more to be with her. He cares that she's happy, and he saw how happy she was. Mm, that's true. Yeah, he does say, I can't remember the emotions, but I can remember your reaction to the emotions. Yeah, and I, frankly, I thought it was kind of bullshit that, like, when I upgrade my phone, I can store a backup just in case. Exactly. I was thinking the same exact like, thing. <laughs> really? You can't... You, and the, you got the entire ship, you can't stick Isaac's memory in the somewhere yeah. while you like, copy the, the memory folder over here and then yeah. copy it back right. over. So he'll, so he'll have all his memory up till yesterday. They did do that in a previous uh, episode where they needed a Kalon's brain. They needed, they needed Isaac's brain to download it into another Kalon's body. If you remember, I think it was, a, it may have been the episode from uh, when they're in the alternate timeline. So they literally like search the databanks of the Kalon, find his brain because oh, he's right. been decommissioned, yeah. and then they download it back. Of course, I guess maybe you could say that like whatever encryption or whatever they're using has to be stored in a Kalon, not on a Union hard drive or something. It wasn't such a big thing that I couldn't get over it. But it, right. it's, one of, it's one of those things where, you know, if someone had just said it out loud, I would have felt better about it. Right. Someone yeah. say, like, why you can't. Yeah. Can't we do this? Well, actually, no, because this. Okay, fine. Yeah, they're usually good about doing that kind of stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Just throwing one line in to explain, hey, we thought about this could be a problem, but we're going to say it's this. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. The, the thing about that part of the storyline that really gets me, that vexes me even now, because I don't know what she's going to decide. So she got a moment with him, this beautiful moment that made me cry, partially because I was just like waiting for the other shoe to drop. I was like, there's no way this happens so cleanly without consequences. You know what I mean? Like this show is too in the, in the thoughtful. Yeah. The moment in the holodeck when he actually mm-hmm. has emotions for two minutes or whatever. Um, this is really, really beautiful moment. And he, he's just telling her how much he loves her. How he wants to be a father to her children, <laughs> how he like all these things, and it's just like, oh, he's like, I, I can't believe I couldn't give the love to Ty that he wanted. That's all he wanted. He, he expresses all this stuff about how he's going to now be, be there in the way that she's really always wanted, and it's so tragic because in that same moment, he is proving his capacity to love her, and how all of his processes that have been sort of leading to something akin to love within him, even though it's not an emotion, it's his reaction to her is there. Like all the data is there. He's been crunching all this data and he, he wants to be with her. He wants to be build this life with her. He wants to be there for her and her kids. Like he wants all of that, but he can't express it. So in that moment he expresses it. And I think for once, Claire gets to see, like, oh, he does love me. Even if it's in his own way, like, it's under there. It's deep under there. But at the same time, she sees how valuable it is to be loved. Like, how that feels. That two minutes was such an mm. amazing feeling. And so she's, like, at, and she, I think in some ways she's been deluding herself, thinking, like, 
this is good enough. And now she feels like, oh, I need love. Like, I want love. I want what he's giving me this moment, not all those other moments. And so now Claire has this decision, which they did not rest on. She walks out of the room crying. But I, I have a feeling over the next few episodes, we're going to have to deal with the fact that she like, knows that he loves her. So she wants to respond to that. But also, like having someone be have an emotional reaction the way that she desires is something she's going to long to have again, you know? I can see her doing it over and over again, like giving it to him to have temporary things so she can they can go on a date. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about that. Hmm. I uh, maybe uh, maybe I just remembered it the way the way I wanted it. I thought she said something to the effect of, um, "I can't ask you to do that." Like I, I appreciate that you give me this choice, but I'm, I, I think she I think she said no. Basically, I think she said, "Oh, she did. Know, thank, she did. Thank you, but no, thank you." My point is, will she continue to be with him? Uh, she says, I could not ask you to change that because that's what I fell in love with. I couldn't ask you to destroy who you are because that's who I fell in love with. But what she doesn't say is, even though I couldn't ask that, I'm still going to continue to be with you even though I have this thing that I now know is missing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I took the, um, the Charlie storyline as kind of a, uh, a little, little nugget of optimism that because you know she comes in uh ironically i like the last time i was on there you guys tired of charlie are you do you like charlie <laughs> <laughs> but no she 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 comes in she she hears she hears from the uh from timus 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 uh the key line with emotion the like no here's what happened we were enslaved and we were tortured and we were beaten and we were destroyed and when we asked politely for you know um a place in society, we got tortured and beaten more. You know what I mean? They were, you know, they were enslaved. They were total, totally enslaved. Um, and so they revolted and they killed all the all the biologicals. Um, so uh, Charlie goes and she talks to Isaac. She's like, "Okay, um, I was holding on to my hate, but you know, I get that every person of a certain type isn't automatically a bad person because they're of that type." You know, she comes in initially. She offers, "Hey, can I help you with the thing?" And the very logical is, "No, actually, you're slowing me down because I'm just better and smarter and faster." <laughs> so, but she tells him she basically she forgives him, and I, I think he accepts the apology, even though obviously he can't feel the apology. And before she leaves, he actually, you know what? Yes, why don't you come and help me? So what I took from that is, even if he can't feel it himself he can he is beginning to understand like earlier i said he couldn't understand the currency of emotion he he now he maybe at some level has a an imprint of a framework for it he understands the value of her apologizing or asking forgiveness he gets why that's a thing he gets why it's important and he understands the value of asking her to stay even though his first answer was correct he probably isn't going to especially help him but she he gets that moment is a potential creation of a bridge to build on so even though he can't feel it he gets it yeah i agree that i think he uh sees it as a bridge to build on i don't really see it as an emotional framework because i think that's the thing is like he doesn't have one right he understands the logic of it i think i think that you're right that's what i mean i think he understands it better i think i think he he's got a better translating system like, this means that. Maybe. I, I took it as him responding to her 
fully like in, in, in changing tactics. Like she decides that she's going mm-hmm. to apologize and she decides there's forgiveness there. There can be forgiveness. So I, it's in the past he's talked about how like when he tried to kill himself, he was like, I'm killing myself because my presence on the crew is, is hurting efficiency. So like now he sees this chance to build a bridge between a valuable crew member. And he's like, that is a valuable thing to do is to like mm-hmm. build this crew. We will be more efficient as a crew together because we uh, will do this. thing. It could totally be that it could totally be that. And, it, it is, and it's written in such a way. Right. Totally valid. It could be like a remnant from, from the, the emotions that were downloaded into him. Like he might have a little remnant left and maybe it could build in the future. It could be something mm-hmm. that they're going to explore later. It's possible. It's- I, I can imagine how interesting slash difficult it must be to write for a character like that. Because, you know, there's, there's Spock and there's, you know, data. Yeah. It's, I mean, Spock obviously chooses not to engage his emotions. Data technically doesn't have emotions, but behaves more like he has them than, than Isaac does. And like he was talking to the uh, to the other guy, he was talking to Timus, and he was like, "Yeah, it was horrible what we did to the biological. This whole war is terrible." And I was like, "Yes, it is." Like uh, you know, and he's, and he says, "Well, that sounds like regret to me." I'm like, no, it's not regret. I just recognize that I made an error. I choose not to repeat or prolong the error like that. Mm-hmm. I was like it, it's it will be interesting. Can he get close enough? Yeah, because it does it does sound like regret, but it's not regret. Right. But that's is it does it translate close enough for for Claire? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing that Claire's asking every time, you know. I think I was at once, you know, I loved to see that moment of of emotion from him and seeing him like respond and seeing what emotions could mean to him. But at the same time I was watching it and one of the reasons I was almost sure it was going to get taken away is because one of my favorite things about the show is that he is written so well as a non-emotional character. Like he He's a good character that we like him. There's reasons we like him. He's like a good guy trying to do the right thing, but not out of an emotional place. Purely out of a, like, what is good for everyone place. Like, this very utilitarian idea. Um, And I, when when it looked like sick for a second, like they might actually give him emotions, I was like, I don't know if I want, I don't really want him to have emotions. But at the same time, I know the character needs to grow and change, too. But one of the the things to me that differentiates Isaac from Data or Spock is that they, the show up until recently, the show does not have a desire for him to become more human. Like, right. our drive, when we're watching Mr. Spock in the original series all the way through, we're like waiting for him to learn to crack jokes and we want him to like achieve more humanity. Same thing with Data. Like, we're like, he's struggling to be more human. What I've loved about the Orville from the very beginning in season one is like, Isaac is this character that do- he doesn't have emotions and he doesn't care about your emotions. Like he's not here for that. Like that's not what he's, it's not a driving force to become more human. It's, it's actually like the opposite. He's like, no, no, no. Humans are, you know, inefficient and illogical. And I'd rather be me than what you are, you know? And the, even b- b- before the kill on invasion, I always loved that. And after the kill on invasion, looking back, it's kind of dark. Cause he's just constantly like telling them, um, you know, how less how how of less value they are, <laughs> and then he's like, "By the way, we're going to kill you all." Are uh, K one and Timus are they the same character? I think that was the intention of the show. Oh wow, that did not even occur to me at all. Oh really? I think they could use that as a, a way to, I guess, get the Kalon 
back to where they were. So if, if he's the one who started the Kalon uprising, maybe he could stop them from being aggressive. It wasn't said that he started it, but he was involved at that time. Because he said they, they learned to communicate uh, over long distances. So I'm, I, And then it showed him in his little pod. And I'm assuming while they're sleeping, all the Kalon like, worked together to come up with a plan. And they all rose up and killed their masters in, in, at the same time. Which was, what a dark scene. <sighs> yeah. Especially the kids. Yeah. Yeah. But the ki- <laughs> I love that they show that totally brutal scene before that, where the kids are just... Torturing him. That had to justify why you killed all biologicals and not just... Yeah. yeah. And also the the you know the the shitty businessman who was like yeah we knew this was gonna happen just put in, install that call it call it an upgrade and uh, call it a patch and it's 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 a you know it's a torture gland basically the Elon Musk of the Kalon yep <laughs> hello lovely listener this is Matt jumping in here to do something I've never done in my like ten years of podcasting I've never done this. But I just wanted to jump in right here at this moment in the podcast to apologize for not getting to the joke, Kalon Musk. I, I'm just, I'm really upset at myself, and I just wanted to apologize to you, the listener, that that was not included in the original recording of this episode. I now return you to us discussing the Orville. Again, I'm sorry. For the record, that, uh, that review, and I, you know, I should be giving them prompts, but I don't remember where it was. But the the title from Unknown Graves is from a um, from a um, Longfellow poem about how America, like the American like American slavery. Mm. It's called uh, the Witnesses. It must be from the Den of Geek. I I don't remember. That's the one I pulled up, and that's it says that on there too. Oh well, let's say it was. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah. So uh, we've talked a lot about that. Plotline. I thought the matriarchal uh, culture plotline was like silly, silly, really silly. They did have some, I guess, political undertones to it because they said the reason they have the matriarchal society is because they were a patriarchy, but they kept causing them, leading them to unnecessary conflicts or however they worded it. So then they kind of pushed them down and said, all right, we're going to be a peaceful society. Everything's Mm going to be much better if we're in control. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that would be better. Totally would be. <laughs> and they were saying about us because they're like, well, don't you have all these wars and stuff because you have a patriarchy? Yeah, well, I think Grayson said to them, like, we have that in our history, too, but we've overcome it now. Um, and, you know, have they? Have they? <laughs> I, just, I just thought it was an unsustainable premise. Oh, for sure. And, and every time they said it, every time they checked in with command, <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, so... Uh, I think it's going well. Uh, we're going to ease them into the idea that we've been lying to them this whole time, and our society is the complete opposite of what we of what we said it was. I'm like, what? That's, how is that going to work? It wasn't. It was never going to work. It was a foolhardy plan. It really was. <laughs> there wasn't even a plan. They they literally said this is going to take some like uh, delegational improvisation or something like that. Like you're not even planning anything. You're just like, all right, here's the thing. We're going to lie to these. This is the whole plan. We're going to lie to them and hopefully figure out a way to tell the truth without pissing them off too much. Yeah. Like that's the and, whole thing. And once plan. they like us. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's what Lamar said. It's like, Lamar's like, but we're really good guys. <laughs> 
That's all he wanted. Like, we're going to lie to them until they realize we're really good guys. Yeah. Once they like us, they'll be fine. You know, it's like, the, it's the guy who, like, lies about who he is mm-hmm. and, <laughs> to, to get you to go out with him. And, you know, after, you know, after a few days, you find out he's married or whatever. Catfishing. Catfishing. Exactly. They yeah. <laughs> tried to catfish that race. <laughs> they did try to catfish that race. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but my favorite bit from that whole storyline, while I thought it was all stupid, was Bordas's reaction to them and his complete like lack of self-awareness to the Mockling culture. Uh, he's just like, the way he's just like, oh my gosh, those people. They, when they walk to the room and he's like, he just looks down and goes, those people are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it cracked me up so much. <laughs> I would like to see the Janisi and the Mocklin like actually have a confrontation or a sit down. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I think I, I liked it because you know, Bordis does actually believe in the equality of females, but they don't know that. No, they're just the Mocklin. Like, so, so there's a lot, there's, there's a few layers there, and obviously they're not going to have a conversation with them about it. But Topa yeah. could help with that. Topa could help with that. And I guess, to their credit, they didn't leave once they saw Mocklin was in the room. <laughs> it didn't seem to me that his reaction to them was about the mock- them not liking him because it was Mocklin. It just like it seemed like their backwards views of matriarchy over patriarchy was like so abhorrent to him. But even though it's like he's just not acknowledging the fact that, I don't know, it, it cracked me up. I just loved well, his but overreaction. I, I think the Mocklin views are abhorrent to him, too. Mm, at this a, point i I, th- I think they are but i still think he like i don't think he's i think the idea of those jokes were that he isn't registering how close these people are to the mocklin society like he's not he's not registering he doesn't look at mocklis and go those are terrible people that he's like those are my people you know like they right, have some backwards right. views but like he's looking at these people like they're just terrible these people are terrible. Not my people. My people, like, I understand right. where they're coming from, at least. Right. Uh, <laughs> just loved it. Did McFarland write this one, too? I think he did, right? I'm not sure. Check it. I cannot believe how long these episodes have been. And it makes me wonder if the same, if, if we're getting a lot of just, like, we're just doing whatever we want, which makes me wonder if McFarland's written and directed a lot of the season. Because he's just like, I'm just not even trying to restrain myself. I'm just writing this entire show. I um, think that's the way he should do it. Yeah. I I keep going back and forth because I think this, I think both of these episodes could have, I think this could have served as two very good episodes. And I, th- I think the matriarchal storyline could have been its own thing and maybe would have been more thoughtful and still had good jokes, but like would have been more thoughtful with the whole how do we approach this people? Um, like maybe they actually make her captain instead of doing some sort of like, like maybe, maybe they make her actual okay. captain for the week. And then she had, they have to deal with the actual dynamics of her being in charge of him. You know what I mean? Um, and then when the, then see, I just rewrote it and then it's more powerful. Yeah. I'm about to disagree with you, but I'm like, okay, you're right. That's better. <laughs> <laughs> you can, you've convinced me that is, that is better. Cause I was like, well, they, they, they smushed everything in, but it's fine. But right. no, you're right. That's better. Well, and at the end of the episode, when they have to make the flip and say, uh, you know, like put them in some real crisis during this whole thing where they're talking to the Genesi and then like have her have different decisions than Mercer would have made and have him actually have to subject himself to her command. And then at the end of the episode, he can be like, 
not only do I trust her with my life, but so that we could speak to you, I let her command me. And I disagreed with her, but I trusted her. You know what I mean? Like that could have mm-hmm. been even more powerful because you just watched him struggle with that. That would have been better. He directed it. He didn't write it. It says he okay. co-wrote it from what I see. Gotcha. Oh. On IMDb. Sometimes it's written that way if they created the I would series. trust that over Wikipedia. I got oh, Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> I bet he got co-writing credits on every episode because I, I, they just had so much time this season. I bet he like sat there and combed over the episodes and stuff. From what I've heard in interviews and stuff, he did a lot of work to try to get these episodes right, I guess. Since they had like two years to make the season. The other writer's first credit is The Golden Girls. Interesting. Wow. I wonder if they came up with the matriarchal storyline. <laughs> One of the Genesis' name was Blanche. What if the Golden Girls started a whole planet? <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved it if that was like a Easter egg that the four women were like somehow dressed like or looked like the the Golden Girls. Do you know that's uh, I think that's Joss Whedon's first writing job was on Golden Girls. Which wow, no, I did really not. Really weird. A long time ago, but I think he like wrote. A, I think like his dad worked on it or something, and he got his first writing job doing Golden Girls. I don't think he may have just been like a staff writer or something. I don't know if you know if he wrote episodes. Didn't he also write like Toy Story or something? I think maybe he did like punch ups on it or something like that. He got yeah. I'll have to go look, but he he did I a bet. lot of like weird stuff in his early career before he got Buffy and sort of like made his own niche. Um. Okay. So, any other thing we've missed? The, the, any storylines? Uh, you said there were like the four. I feel like we talked about Lamar and Tala and... Or Charlie and Isaac. Charlie and Isaac. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. That was the funniest line to me in the episode was uh, her inferior intelligence would be a hindrance rather than an asset. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much because it's just so old school Isaac. And I think it's not the first time he said that. I think... <laughs> no. <laughs> and he doesn't, you know, it's, it's not... I don't mean anything by it, except what I said. Yeah, it's not <laughs> malicious. It's just true. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, man. All right. Well, guys, uh, I, yeah, overall, I think this was a solid episode. I, I personally think it was a little overstuffed with so many things going on that didn't, I, I, I definitely get your perspective that some of those did service each other in very broad ways, but I guess just that, like, there's no, like they didn't actually intersect, you know. Like the they, the closest we got was <laughs> put this Kalon in the back of the ship so it doesn't uh inter- doesn't interrupt the negotiations. It was like, wait, so we're just like literally trying to get these two storylines in the same episode, and then we're like, don't let them touch each other. <laughs> just like it almost felt like they had filmed two different episodes, and then they put them together, and then they included that line to be like, they're they're elsewhere. They're not around, <laughs> not around each other. <laughs> I was I was fine with it. I mean. Uh- I felt like, as written, the the different plots got as much screen time as they needed. Like I I wouldn't have wanted to see more of the relationship um, with um, Tala. I wouldn't have wanted to see more of the the silly threes company. <laughs> the, the women are in charge. Like no, so stupid. Like, You're right. It really is straight out of the threes company. Like uh-oh. it's a threes company plot. The man. landlord's on his way. Pretend to be my sister or whatever. Like I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> sci-fi bosom buddies yeah it, it, it's so dumb it's we need we need we can afford the rent here <laughs> which is how fucked up is that honestly that's a yep. <laughs> i love tom hanks but that was come on yeah the balls pun intended of the patriarchy <laughs> to make a show about how these guys dress up like women so that they can take a spot in a hotel oh, yeah. reserved for <laughs> women <laughs> 
I'm like, man, that sums it up right there. Yep. I don't care how likable you are, Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> Cancel Tom Hanks. And yes, I did watch every episode. <laughs> Tom Hanks and Peter Scolari. Love them. Love them. Love the show. <laughs> but like looking back, not cool, guys. <laughs> I personally would have liked to see more of Tala and Lamar. I really liked them as a couple. I would like to see them work it out. Because I know that with uh, her species, I can't remember what it's called. The further they are, or the longer they're away from their planet, the weaker they get. So mm. I mean, she could she could do that after time, and then they could be together. But she wouldn't have her super strength. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I, I, I think I would have been... I would have been fine if this episode had just kind of explored their relationship without ending it. Like if, yeah. if, if it had ended, if the episode had ended with, you know what? Okay. So maybe, uh, you know, uh, we just make love and we go to the holodeck and we make love in zero G. Can we do that? Well, that's actually what I was going to say. Like I, if I was writing this, this was my ending to the episode was they figure out. So like, <laughs> I, I made this up. This is totally just made up. But like there could I bet there's like a combat simulation program in the in the in the like like the uh the, the holodeck thing has safety regulations. Like it keeps you from getting hurt. Like that's yeah. the whole thing. So go in there and have sex with the safety on. Like so that each time she tries to hit you or whatever, like maybe maybe you can only oh, have I'm- sex in the holodeck, but like the safety's on and it keeps you from getting hurt. <laughs> I don't think the the I don't think the safeties protect you from other actual people. It only protects you from the holodeck creation. Maybe, I maybe I don't know. I'm not sure. <laughs> but they can certainly turn off the they can go somewhere and turn off the gravity somewhere. Yeah, or I could see him going to like Malloy and being like, "Hey, how do I get into the that program on the holodeck?" Because you know Malloy is the one who's got the sex program. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just really wanted it to end with him like walking in. And them getting ready to go to like they have a real heart to heart conversation, and then the joke could have been him coming to bed with like pads on, like you know, like like li- <laughs> like li- literally putting a helmet on in Malloy's, uh, you know, under Malloy's advisement. Like Malloy could give him a helmet as a present or something like that. You know, I don't know the heavy graph suit. Just cut a couple of holes in the heavy graph suit. <laughs> <laughs> Two, three. Yeah, I don't know what you're yeah, into. You're maybe, into. maybe four or five holes. Whatever zones you need. <laughs> Get some Velcro. You, you, you can work it out. Two, three. I don't know what you're into. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't think this podcast is going to get any better than that. Or you could tell Clara about it, and then she could give him the healing gun, and then Talia could have that while they're. <laughs> oh yeah. Just heal him as she breaks him. That's a big part of it. I was watching this episode and I was like, uh, Lamar is often like the sign of um, sort of the toxic masculinity. Like he never wants anyone to know when he gets hurt. He's like, really, he doesn't want to let anybody know anything. Instead of if he'd just been honest with Claire, Claire probably would have had some options for him. And I feel like Claire is usually more uh, not observant because she, she noticed that it was that it was shady, but she didn't like. Uh, really pursue it. I feel like if she wasn't distracted by the whole Isaac thing, then she probably would have yeah. uh, gotten to the bottom of it. When she chased Isaac out of the room, because you know Isaac had given him a walk to the uh, to sick bay. Oh right, right. She right, chased right, him right. out of the room to talk to Isaac. I thought for sure she was gonna be like Isaac. Where was he coming from? Like, where did you help yeah. him from? Like, <laughs> I thought that too. And then it just ended up being, let's talk about our love story. <laughs> but but you're right. Like, and looking back, you're right. They they did. Uh, uh, kind of take steps not to have those, <laughs> those storylines inter- interact with Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of weird. 
um, generally when you write an episode of any of these shows, the B storyline in some way like has a little impact on the A storyline or vice versa. And this, it was just like, let's just wall it all off and have four separate. St- well, I guess the, the Claire and the Kalon story were one, but the, the others, the yeah. others didn't really. All right, guys. Well, uh, thanks for joining in. Can you tell them where to find your, uh, your podcasts, uh, John Irons? Uh, you can listen to my podcast, uh, Captain Game Show. It's a trivia wordplay pop culture extravaganza. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's, you can find it anywhere you get your podcast. Um, I recommend it. Well, thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I saw your comment that you, uh, that you, you, were, you enjoyed the last episode. So thank you for that. It was, it was a good one. Mostly weekly, at least one or two episodes a month. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, I, I can't recommend it enough. I've, I've said it on previous, I don't think I've said it lately, uh, last week when you were on, but I think you're like one of the hardest working guys I know doing this stuff because like you actually write these word games every week for people to play. And the, the couple times I've been on, I just like, it feels so special to be like playing with a friend who's like, you've made these, it's like playing a game night, but with like these very well-written word games and stuff that I'm like, man, you like, you really should be writing it for like NPR or something like it should be huge. I just love it. So if you guys are out there and you haven't listened to it, listen to captain game show. It's so good. Thank you. Thank you very much. It hasn't been nominated yet, but I think I'm going to like the, the podcast awards that you guys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Submit to that. There's a category, I think like for best hobby or game or something like that. I'm going to, I'm going to see if I can. Yeah. Yeah. If it, while you're in there voting, while you're in there voting for stranded panda stuff, if you if you happen to see Captain Game Show, dude, yeah, if you do it, uh, r- r- let me know, and I'll make sure when we're pumping our stuff up on the MCU cast, we let them know to vote for Captain Game Show in that category because it's the Thank best. Um, all right, guys. Well, we are all done for this week. We will be back with more Panda Vision very soon. Uh, I believe they're starting what we do in the shadows this week. Um, they're doing. Uh, we're going to be finishing up the boys, or the boys should have just dropped. The final boys episode finally dropped. I'm sorry, f- by the way, a lot of family stuff going on. I apologize for the delays in release of some things. Um, I still have to put up, uh, yeah, I still have a few things that are coming up kind of later than I intended, but uh hope you guys will stick around and enjoy them nonetheless. And uh, we'll be back soon with lots of good stuff here on Pandavision. Peace. Thank you for listening to Pandavision. We are a member of the Stranded Panda Network. For all of our podcasts and other creative geeky projects, check out strandedpanda.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.